everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Therese Therese, and normally what I do, I would read a poem from my book of poetry entitled, A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. However, I will not be doing that on today. Today, what I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about blended families. Excuse me. Y'all, please forgive me. I've been clearing my throat all morning. But anyway, so um, the weather has changed, and any time the weather changes, my body feels it. So that's just a part of me aging, I guess. I don't know. But I digress. (laughs) So today what I wanted to talk about was blended families. Excuse me. And the reason why I wanted to talk about blended families is because they come in variations. So... You could have a single father who meets a single mother. Now the family becomes blended. You could have a, excuse me, a man who has no children and he meets a woman with toddlers and now there is a blended family or a toddler. They don't necessarily have to be uh, multiple children. It could just be one child. Um, Then it becomes a blended family. Um, It's just so many different scenarios. You can meet someone who has grown children on both sides, and now they become, once they make a decision to commit to one another, they are a blended family. However, it presents itself. It could even be someone who adopted their nieces or nephews or grandchildren because of the passing of a child um, or a sibling. And so those are different scenarios of how blended families can come come into place. However, when you're dealing with a blended family, in my opinion, I believe it's a lot different than when you're dealing with a family um, where the two people had no children prior to meeting each other, and then they make a family together, because then you have both the father and the mother, the biological father and the biological mother present. However, when you're dealing with a blended family, you still have the exes to consider. And they may be active or they may not. So when I was involved in a blended family scenario, the mother was actually on drugs. And so she was not a present parent. So parenting her child was, I'm not going to say easy, but the experience was quite different because we didn't have the mother's input. And so um, there were a lot of, you know, in terms of our living, wherever we lived and all of that, it was not a factor in terms of the mother because she wasn't a present parent. She wasn't an active parent. However, when you're dealing with active parents, they're going to want to have a say. They're going to want to have a say in terms of where their children go to school, how often they get to visit their child. Um, if the child is wanting to go off to college, they're going to, going to want to have a say about that. If the child is engaged to be married, they're going to want to have a say about the wedding. There's a strong possibility that even if you feel as if the current spouse is more active than the ex-spouse, it does not change the fact. Let's say we're talking about men. 
it doesn't change the fact that the biological father is still the biological father. So when it, if it's a daughter that you're talking about, regardless if he's been active or not, he's still going to want to walk his daughter down the aisle, most likely. But if there's a scenario where the biological father is open, then maybe the stepfather and the biological father can walk the daughter down the aisle. Um, so those are things that maybe people don't take time out to think about, talk about, um, but your feelings could be hurt. When it comes to grandchildren, um, both of the sides are going to want to spend time with those grandchildren. It's not going to be one-sided. It's not going to be where um, – well, it shouldn't be where only one side has dominance over the other side. It should be where conversations take place and it's like, okay, I want to spend time with the grandbaby. Um, you know, what weekends work good for you, what weekends work – considering the parents, of course. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, grandparents can kind of take over sometimes. The next thing you know, you look up and you're just like, uh, I recall having this child myself. And now it's like I hardly ever see my baby. So <clears throat> keep that in mind. But it's like any time that you're dealing with blended families, this is just my personal opinion, you got to consider all moving parts. You have to consider all people involved. And sometimes it could get ugly. Let me just put that out there. Sometimes when you're dealing with blended families, it could get ugly. It could be a child or a teenager that looks at that step-parent like, you don't have a say in the world of what I got going on in my world because you are not my biological parent. Well, I believe that it is the responsibility of the other parent, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to set down ground rules, to be able to have that conversation, have that dialogue with that child, that teenager, and to let them know um, things are going to be different, and this is what it's going to look like. And then for y'all to have an open dialogue, for y'all to have a discussion and be like, okay, so if the, I mean, cause think about it. If the child is 18 years old, that is a grown, a grown person now. Not like, you know, fully, fully grown, but they're considered an adult. So you have to handle your dialogue as a step-parent with an 18-year-old quite different than how you would handle your dialogue with an eight-year-old. Because now the 18-year-old, I mean, not saying that the eight-year-old doesn't have their own, you know, they don't have their own preferences preferences, and they don't have their own opinions, but an 18-year-old has pretty much already been developed. They know what they want. They know how they want it. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. Um, and so it may be a different dialogue where instead of, the parent being present, the 18-year-old and the potential step-parent, go off, have dinner, have a conversation, and get an understanding of mutual respect in terms of what their boundaries are for one another. And so um, I just think that that's really, really important because as you, as you try to blend the family, there's got to be some ground rules. There's got to be a way for you to be able to cohabitate with the other side um, and not feel as if there's this major tug of war or a major power war, that shouldn't even play in. It really shouldn't. It should be where we have decided as two consenting adults that we want to blend our family and we know how this could potentially impact everyone involved. You may have to do some outings. You may have to go somewhere together, hang out together, go out to eat. Whatever that looks like for you, you may have to go on a camping trip to see how to, 
survived <laughs> survived together, uh, where you're you're relying on the natural habitat and just kind of seeing how each other works, the family works, the family dynamic works. Um, different things that you may want to consider in order for you to be able to truly, hopefully, have a beautiful experience in blending your family. Because it can be done. It may not be all, it may not come up all roses, it may not be as smooth as you would like, but it can be done. And then, too, to understand that if there are younger children in the home, Maybe they don't quite understand. Maybe they have developed a solid relationship with their biological parents. Maybe seeing another individual, to them, it may appear that that individual is trying to take their biological parents' place. That conversation will also need to be had in terms of letting them know we're not trying to replace this person. This is just an addition to our family dynamic. Because a lot of times when people feel as if um, you're trying to force something on them or you're trying to make something fit, they can feel very defensive. And so in order to help eliminate that feeling of defensiveness, communicating to the child, communicating to the young adult that these are our intentions, this is why we are opting to do this, Um, we want to make this work, and this is why we want to make this work. We believe that it is beneficial for everyone involved, and this is why we believe it is beneficial for everyone involved, and so on. And then also leaving an open door, because sometimes when you present something to a relative, your children, everyone is not always receptive to your new reality at the same time. So understanding that, and leaving the door open for them for them to come to you and for you to go to them, for y'all to have an open dialogue, um, even for them to go to the other person. Um, all of that plays a part, I believe, in making sure that the transition of a single family to a blended family um, will go off without a hitch. Now, there's always, there are always those moments where it, is, it could potentially do the opposite. You could do everything that you tried to do. You could try to do everything decent and in order. You could have the conversations. You could have the dialogue. And it could appear that everything is so, so, so smooth. Excuse me. And then out of nowhere, you look up and you're like, this child is acting out. Why is this child acting out? They said they were okay with this. And now they are running away. It could happen. I've talked to a few people where this has been their scenario. And why is that child running away? Nine times out of ten, they are running away because they feel threatened. And they don't know how to convey that to the parent. They don't know how to articulate that to the parent, that they feel as if by inviting new children into the equation or inviting a new parent into the equation, that it is going to take away from them in some way, form, or fashion. And sometimes you really just have to take time out to reassure that child that just because there is an addition to doesn't mean that there's a subtraction from, that there is a way that you can truly come together and make it work. Because 
a lot of decisions that we make sometimes, especially if you're dealing with a child or teenager that just doesn't understand the dynamic or the role of a blended family, um, they're operating from a place of fear because they don't know. It's the, it's the unknown. They don't know if they're going to mesh well with the other kids. They don't know if they're going to um, create a healthy dialogue or friendship or um, relationship with their new step or um, <clears throat> I'm going to say step. I might be saying it all wrong, but with their new step family. Um, they don't know what that looks like. And so they may be truly operating out of fear only because they don't have true clarity. And that's where the parents come in. That's where you have to sit down and talk to your children and explain to them, um, this is not taking away from you, it's adding to you. Um, you get an opportunity to have somebody that you can converse with, that you can have, hang out with, that you can, if they're the same age. Um, you get an opportunity to, you know, have new siblings. And then you may have those teenagers that are like, I don't want no new siblings. <laughs> I don't want no new mama. I don't want no new daddy. I, I don't want no new brother. I don't want no new sister. I don't even want a new pet. You know, you may have that child. There's Sometimes there's there's at least one. So you may have that child that is like, absolutely no. Just I don't like it, and I'm going to let you know I don't like it every step of the way. Don't break under that pressure. Like you literally be mindful, be very mindful. Okay, so this one is not being receptive to the information that we have conveyed. So we're going to revisit this a little later in hopes that maybe she'll have a change of heart or he'll have a change of heart. If not, maybe we need to seek family counseling so that we can be provided and they can be provided the tools necessary for this transition to be a healthy transition for all of us. So I know a lot of people sometimes don't want to think about counseling, Even and it could be godly counseling. It could be the pastor of your church, somebody that can guide you in terms of how to maneuver going from a single family to a blended family, because that's not always an easy transition. Um, I remember the child, I, I believe when um, I had this experience, the child was eight years old. I could be mistaken. She might have been 10. And initially, she was gung-ho about the fact that there was going to be me and um, what eventually will become like her, her little stepbrother. She was gung-ho about it. But as time went on and she started to see the dynamic of my spending more time with her father, it made her feel some type of way. And so um, then you could, you could actually see, you could see the shifting. You could see the shifting in her attitude. You could see the shifting in the dialogue. Um, it wasn't until later, later on, because she still calls me mama, it wasn't until later, 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 later on, years later, she expressed to me that it was one of those things that because it wasn't fully explained to her, it was kind of like one minute there's an absence of a mother figure, and then the next minute it's like this stranger who becomes a mother figure. And how does a child process that? And so a lot of times we are not aware of this. We're not aware that um, how it impacts the child. We're not aware of how it impacts the 
teenagers and most likely because, or even sometimes adult children, and most likely because in those seasons we're so gung-ho about this new experience with the other individual that some people fall by the wayside. So I'm sharing this with you so that that's not your testimony because I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn, like, all all we really had to do is one minute to say, hey, this is the person that I'm dating. It's another to say, hey, this is the person that I'm marrying. This is going to be your new stepmother. Or, hey, this is the person that is moving in with us. I need you to respect this individual. Oh, yeah, and by the way, her children are coming too. Or, by the way, his children are coming too. However that plays out in your personal experience. It's easy to believe that it's going to all work itself out. But if you're not including the people that are involved, that includes the children, then it could wreak havoc later on. And in ways that you could be blindsided. That's just the best way for me to put it. You could be blindsided. Um, And it may not always manifest with someone running away. It may not always manifest that way. But it could manifest in defiance. It could manifest in talking back. It could manifest in disrespect in any nature, Um, just acting out, all because that child did not feel as if they were included in that equation. It was almost, in a sense, in their perspective, from their perspective, forced on them. And so in order to keep the peace, or at least attempt to keep the peace, one wise way to handle it is to let them know this is what our plans are, give them an opportunity to have a a free-flowing platform. Let them be able to express their opinions unapologetically and then unpack those opinions, address those fears, put an actual answer where there's a question. And the reason why that's so important is because a lot of times we can stop leaning on our own understanding of how we think things are going to play out if we have the answers. If we don't have the answers, that's where fear can creep in and we're creating our own reality, which may be the furthest thing from the truth. But because mom and dad didn't take time out or mom and stepdad didn't take time out or dad and stepmom didn't take time out to really convey that to the child or the children, then all of a sudden that child is on defense mode. Now, where they once respected you because they felt like you were approaching things in a very respectful manner, they may feel disrespected because now it's like you're making decisions without me. What about me? What about my opinion? And I know a lot of times a lot of people have this this mindset of I'm an adult, you're a child, stay in a child's place. And although that is something that, you know, many of us should encourage, Children still have an opinion. Children still have a voice. So even by their staying in a child's place, they should be provided an opportunity to speak their truth. And as a parent, we should allow them to speak their truth. So I recently had a conversation. I'm changing subjects on purpose, but I wanted to talk from a perspective of a child or a teenager. So I had a dialogue with one of my children. And I, my, she made a comment, you are 
some okay, I have to paraphrase because I don't remember precisely what she said, but paraphrasing, it was you're not around when I need you the most. So so I heard fear in that. And what it is is that so I pulled over because we were I was actually driving. So I pulled over and I stopped the car and I said, I need you to elaborate on that statement. What do you mean that I am not here when you need me the most? And she broke down crying. So as we began to unpack that statement, she came to realize I have convinced myself, I have created my own hell, believing a lie. She recognized that that was the furthest thing from the truth once we unpacked it together. But before we unpacked it, that was the reality in her mind. You're leaving me when I need you the most. The truth was I haven't left at all. The truth was I've been present with every single issue that has manifested in her life. But she had a moment of vulnerability and fear, and fear was telling her, where's my mom? Your mom is not here when you need her the most. So I had to literally rebuke the spirit of fear and speak the truth in love. And as we unpacked that, by the end of the conversation, she was laughing. She was having a good old time. She didn't even want to get out the car with me. So we had to take a moment. I had to take a moment and not just hear the words that were coming out of her mouth, but listen to why those words manifested and then cancel that lie. Because the reality of it is, is that if we don't listen to our children, they could be fed, they could feed them. And I I had to break that down to her. And And it really boiled down to, once we got down to the gist of it, her people-pleasing, wanting to please people, and these people letting her down. And so she put me in the same category as those people because I'm the closest thing to her. So it's easy that, you know, they always say that people hurt the ones closest to you. Well, because she can't lash out on the people that are really hurting her, I became the target. And that's not the first time. I'm actually quite used to it. But, and I shouldn't be, but, you know, that's what happens when you're dealing with teenagers sometimes. And so so I literally was able to debunk that belief. But we had to sit with that for a moment. She had to be tardy for a moment in order for us to unpack that lie so we could speak, I could get the truth to her. Once she had the truth, she operated freely throughout the day. But I had to help her to see these are the things that happen sometimes when we're not having an open dialogue. But I don't want that to be on your heart and I don't want that to be on your mind, that you're believing that I leave you when you need me the most. Because as a parent, as your mother, my sole intent is to be there for you when you need me, if you need me. And that's for all of my children. And so the only way that she could cancel the assignment of the enemy and cancel the lie is to know the truth. And as she regurgitated back to me how I am always here with her, for her, her whole demeanor changed. 
her whole demeanor changed. But it took that. So sometimes when you're dealing with life-changing decisions, it could cause your children or child to be anxious. It could cause your child to be afraid. Be willing to listen to your children. You know, our kids can teach us some things. Did you know that? Just because we're a parent does not mean that we should be unteachable. Your children can actually be some of your best teachers, truth be told, because how they operate, they're innocent. And so with their having a pure heart, they may see things from a totally different perspective than because of all that we've experienced. We, not be, we may not be able to see it in that same light because our pure views have been tainted by life experiences. Well, they still have that perspective of purity. So they're able to see things from a totally different perspective if we give them their voice, if we allow them to have their voice. That's better stated. <laughs> Let me state that better because that is not right, if we give them their voice. Anyway, so, <laughs> so if we allow them to have their voice and to find their voice, then the dynamic can go a whole lot better than if we're trying to tell them how they should feel, why they should feel that way, and dictate to them their feelings. No, give them an opportunity to express their truth, even if you don't agree with it. Once they state their truth, then you begin to unpack it. You can always agree to disagree. It's really okay when you do it in a healthy way. And so that's pretty much what happened with us, and we were laughing in the end because then she was like, well, Mom, how do I do X, Y, and Z? And I was like, you got to pray. And so then she was like, but no, and I kind of chuckled. So when I spoke to another child, she said, who does that sound like? I said, it's like I'm dealing with the same person. I already know that. So we laughed about that. But it was, it was, um, it was amazing in the fact that she started off with this one false view. She ended up with the truth. No tigers or bears were harmed <laughs> during the process. Like, we literally were able to get to a resolve, and she was able to understand, my mother is here. As long as I have breath in my body, my sole intent is to be there for my children. And even in my decision-making process, when I once was so blinded by love and all these other things and could not see the forest for the trees and was making all of these decisions that I didn't even understand or, or even get how they would impact my children, I have since grown. I have come into the knowledge of how important it is to get my children's feedback, whether they're a child or they're a young adult. I am constantly consulting with my children. And I do that because I need them to understand that now that I've come into the knowledge of how important their perspectives are, their views are, their feelings are, I want to hear them. So yesterday I, was, I got a phone call. My child, I love her. I love, I love all my kids. But <laughs> my child called me yesterday like three times in the course of 15 minutes because she, she wanted me to guide her through a decision-making process that she was going through. And she made the comment. She was like, I'm not really needy. I said, but you are. But it's okay. You know, mama's here. I got you. <laughs> but it was so funny to hear her say that because I'm like, no, in all actuality, honey, you, you might be in denial. But, yeah, you are. And it's okay. You, you, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so we went through the process. 
I gave her her answers. She followed through, and she called me back with the praise report, and all was well. But it was so funny to hear her say that because I'm like, you might want to go ahead and acknowledge the fact that, no, you really are, and it's really okay. You, I give you permission to be needy, you know. I give you because you're going to need your mother. You know, And it doesn't matter how old and your father. It doesn't matter how old you get. And, see, a lot of times we try to do that thing, oh, when you turn 18, you don't need me anymore. I have my 18-year-old tell me, Mama, I still need you. I'm going to need you. I have a 21-year-old still needs me. I got a 29-year-old still needs me. I got a 26-year-old that still needs me and a 24-year-old that needs me and a 16-year-old. Like my children, I know that they need me. Now, the thing of it is is that, that it may change. The narrative may change depending on their age and depending on what they're going through. But it does not negate to the fact that it's, still a need that needs to be met. It's still a need that needs to be met. And so I do what I can, however best I can, to meet those needs. So going back to blended families, when you are dealing with a blended family, make sure you keep the lines of communication open. It's imperative. It's imperative for your growth and it's imperative for your children's growth um, in order for them to know that there is an open door I may agree with this now, but once the transition takes place, I may have some fear in different places. I need to know that I'm able to come to my mother or my father and express my concern. I'm going to give you one more scenario. There's a situation where there's a family who the man had children or has children, and he married a woman without children. The woman without children doesn't know what it's like to have children. So because they have now become a unit as a married couple, he alienated his children. He does not contact his children. He does not speak to his children on a regular basis. He hasn't even told them happy birthday. He doesn't take time out to spend time, all because he connected to someone who, because she does not know, she knew he had children before she said, I do. But she's so used to it being about her. This is not my personal opinion. <laughs> this is just my personal opinion. But she's so used to it being about her that it has affected his relationship with his children. And I understand where the Bible says that you're supposed to marry your spouse and cleave and all of that and forsake all others. I truly believe that how that was created in that context, it was in regards to the parents of the, that couple. I don't believe that it meant forsake your children and abandon your children. I really do not. I really do not. Because the Bible talks about a man who doesn't take care of his children being worse than an infidel. So if forsaking all others included children in the equation, to me, that would make the Bible contradictory. I'm, I'm just saying. That's just me. You don't have to agree. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. So from my perspective, the way that I view that as I'm knowing about this experience is that the children suffer because a conversation and a dialogue was not had prior to that marriage taking place. 
And so now when they see the stepmother, they don't look at the stepmother as a stepmother. They don't reverence the stepmother as a stepmother. She's considered an evil, wicked person. That may not be her intent, but because of how the dynamic unraveled, she's viewed that way. And the only way that it could be changed now is for them to have an open dialogue with those children and to mend some fences, in my opinion. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. So I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And I just want to say to my future hubby, I'm not going to do a letter or anything like that, but I just wanted to say, Wherever you are, future hubby, if you are a parent, I pray that we learn how to communicate to the children as a unit, as a couple, in such a way that they will know that the door is always open. If you are a man with no children, I pray that my children have a respect for you so great that they know that they are able to communicate with you, whether I am present or I'm absent, and y'all get an understanding of the dynamic of the relationship and all of that. But whether now or whether later, whenever our paths may cross, I hope and pray that God is blessing you beyond measure um, and that you are taking care of yourself. I love you. Love, Teresa. So with all of that said, I do hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But 